May the grace and peace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I invite you to look in the book of Colossians chapter 3, and it is there that you will find our sermon text for the evening. I'll be reading from Colossians 3, 11 down to 17, and then skipping down to verse 19. As you can see, many of our men are not with us this evening. Uh, several of them called in sick. My reply to them was, some men will do anything to get out of hearing a sermon about rules for husbands. And I do hope and pray that they all get well, but those are kind of extreme measures to take, aren't they? If you are willing and able, I invite you to stand for the reading of God's holy word from Colossians 3. Hear the word of God. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. And that is the word of the Lord. May God add his blessings to the reading, the preaching and the hearing of his word and all the church says. You may be seated. first thing I want to say this evening is that this sermon is not intended in any way to shame any man in our congregation. There's enough shaming that goes on in our culture. There's no end of sitcoms that make fun of men and demean men and demean husbands. There is no end of rom-coms that do the same kind of thing. And we all know that there has been a shift in our culture as people push back against some of the chauvinism that was prevalent in our culture in some years gone by. Uh, There's a a pushback and perhaps an overcorrection towards feminism that has affected our culture's view of men. And that has seeped into the church. And so it is not my intention or purpose to contribute to that in any way. My goal here is not to shame our men by any stretch of the imagination. Rather, I want to encourage our men, and especially our husbands, as the text highlights, encourage our husbands to continue the work that they're striving to do and to make the most of the time that God has given them. I reiterate what I said last week, and this will be the only echo to last week, and that is that we should remember that husbands, while they are called to imitate Christ and their love for their wives, husbands 
themselves are not Christ. Like the wife, the husband needs Jesus Christ and needs the grace that is offered to him in the gospel. Why? Because all husbands fail. All husbands fall short of the glory of God. But in Christ, it is the grace of Christ that gives them the power and the ability to pursue better things. And so to that end, uh, I want us to listen to what Paul says in the context of Colossians. Now, you'll notice uh, this week, what you heard last week, and then we'll do this again next week as we try to situate the wives, husbands, children, parents in the context of the letter. We want to ask, who are these husbands that Paul is addressing? He's not addressing any and every husband in the world. He is addressing husbands who are part of the church of Jesus Christ. And if you go back into the context of the letter, this is what husbands need to hear. By the time you get to this point, husbands need to have heard that they are saints and faithful members of the church. That they are filled with faith and hope and love. That they are delivered from darkness to light. That once they were alienated from God, but now they are reconciled to Him. Husbands need to hear that they have received Christ the Lord and they are walking in Him. That they are filled in Christ. That they are members of the covenant community. That they've been circumcised without hands in the crucifixion of Jesus. That they have been baptized into the death and life of Christ. Buried with Him in baptism. Raised with Him through the faithful working of God who raised Jesus from the dead. These husbands have been made alive by God. They have died to the elemental spirits of the world in union with Christ. They have been raised to celestial realms. They are undergoing spiritual formation as they put to death the things of their earthly nature and watch come to life the things of their heavenly nature as they put off the old self and put on the new self. These are all things Paul has said about the church in general. And these are all things that apply to these baptized Christian husbands in specific. The bottom line is this. Husbands who are listening this evening. Paul is not talking to just any and every husband or ordinary husbands. He is speaking to you. Baptized Christians who are members of God's covenant family. Living in union with Christ. In other words, echoing Paul, we want you to know that we see you as men in Christ. And that by the gracious work of the Holy Spirit, you are and are becoming suitable heads for your wives and your children. These are things we recognize about you. And I want to say at the outset that keep in mind throughout the course of this whole sermon that your identity is found in Jesus Christ. It is not found in your performance as a husband. Your identity is found in Christ and you gain identity and worth and value from him. And that is all by grace. Now, what does Paul say that husbands who are united to Christ and who find their identity in Christ should do? How should husbands treat their wives? He mentions two things here. And it's a very short list, but I have to tell you, as I thought about it this week and even tried to do some of this, believe it or not, this week, um, I found it to be very difficult 
because this very short list is challenging. On one hand, he says, love your wives. On the other, he says, do not be harsh with them. Another way to put it is to practice a kind of gentle love towards your wife. According to apostolic tradition, this gentle love is rooted and grounded in the same two things that we saw last week. Rooted and grounded in both the order of creation and the order of redemption. So let's look at some of those things again, just by way of reminder. In the order of creation, man is created first and then woman. A husband is the head of his wife. He has authority over her, but that also that means responsibility for her. Paul makes it clear in 1 Corinthians 11, as he comments on the story from Genesis 3, he says, I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Man is the image and the glory of God. Woman is the glory of man, for man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Very important word coming next. Nevertheless, nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman was made for man, so man is now born of woman and all things are from God. So you see, God is the ultimate source of man and woman. And while woman comes from man, man also comes from woman. Very interesting arrangement here. God has established in this order of creation distinct roles for men and women. But the thing I want you to notice here is that the identity and the dignity of both man and woman, male and female, is that they are created in the image and likeness of God. In terms of their responsibilities, yes, there are similarities and there are also differences. They are one, but they're not the same. And as we said last week, remind you this week, that man and woman, husband and wife are in a symbiotic relationship. They need each other. They need each other. There is a mutual interdependence between man and woman, male and female, husband and wife. And this is a part of God's order of creation. Now, the thing I want you to track along with me here as we go and and we want to dig into Genesis 3 briefly. We want to go to Genesis 3 briefly. Uh, I want you to see what happens in that story. Last week, we focused on the things that the woman said and did. But this week, I want us to look at what the man said and did. We saw that when God's order of creation is altered or inverted or reversed that sin and death enter the world and things become disjointed and broken. It's tempting, if we just heard the story from last week, it would be tempting to blame the whole mess on the woman, which is what Adam tried to do. Actually, he blamed God. It was this woman that you gave me. And so he has a double blame there. But I want to discourage you from blaming the woman for everything. Don't blame Eve for everything that happened. Don't blame your wife for everything that goes wrong in your life. We need to learn to get out of the blame game and take responsibility for ourselves. Notice in the story of Genesis 3, we're not reading it, but think back through it and you can read it in your own time. But highlighting something for you here. That Adam and Eve were together on that fateful day. They were together That day when they went by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Adam was near his wife when she reached out her hand and took the forbidden fruit and ate it. He was there. He was in close proximity to to her actions. And instead of leading her away from the tree, instead of reminding her of God's law, instead of even attacking or fighting off the serpent, he allowed his wife to flirt with the devil and they ended up both getting burned. And worse than that, getting banished from the garden. The other thing I want you to notice is that after Eve stole the fruit and gave it to her husband, when the Lord God came into the garden in the cool of the evening, notice as you read that story again that God didn't come into the garden and say, hey, where are y'all? As if he were in Texas. Where are y'all? He came into the garden looking for the man. He said, where you at? Right. Where are you? And that indicates that God has... Not ignored what the woman has done, but he goes to the man who bears responsibility for his wife. He goes to the man. He's given him authority over her. He's given him responsibility over her. What he had received from the Lord, the law of God, he was to convey to his wife, pass it on to her, and together they were to flesh that out and obey it and do God's will. And yet they both failed together. Adam failed. He abdicated authority in different ways, big and small in the story. He neglected his responsibilities in different ways. Same as I do, same as you do. Being a husband is very challenging work. It's a challenging call, isn't it? Adam loved his wife. He loved his wife, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. But in this moment, he did not love her as sacrificially as he ought to have loved her. Nowhere in Genesis do we see that Adam was ever harsh with his wife. He was not harsh with her at all. But in this moment, in this moment at the tree, he should have been more assertive. He should have been more insistent with her. He should have been gentle with his wife. And yet he should have been harsh with the serpent. But like every husband in this room and every husband we've ever known, Adam failed. He failed in this way. Now, it doesn't mean he was a failure, okay? He did other things quite well, but in this moment he failed. But here's what I want you to see. Husbands, we need to learn from Adam's mistakes. Loving your wife means a couple of things here. Loving your wife means that you've got to be thick-skinned and tender-hearted. Both tender hearted enough to snuggle up with her, tender hearted enough, enough to see things her way and from her side, tender hearted enough to support her. But you also need to be thick skinned enough to steer her away from trouble, to stand up against dangers that threaten her soul. And even to try to slay the dragons that try to influence her. Now, Adam failed to do that. And again, so do we. But there's one who did not. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why we get to try again. It's because of Christ that we get to try again. After we failed for the hundredth time, we get to try again. Jesus never failed. And we're called to imitate Him in loving our wives the way He loved the church. 
And that moves us to the order of redemption. You see that when Christ came, He fixed the things that were broken by Adam and Eve. He fixed the things that were broken by sin. And so Jesus comes and He picks up where Adam left off, where Adam dropped the ball and and failed and couldn't continue. Jesus comes along as a new man who was decreated through the crucifixion and then recreated through resurrection. And a new woman is formed through His side through blood and water. She's called the church. And we saw all of this last week. So just keep in mind that what Christ has done in coming to rescue His church is a demonstration of His deep love for her. And all these things of Christ coming in the flesh and giving His life up at the cross, we see that Christ was gentle with His wife and yet He was harsh with His enemies. He crushed the serpent's head. He destroyed the works of the devil in order to rescue and redeem his bride. And as we like to say, and we'll say it again, Jesus killed the dragon and got the girl. Now to do that requires this tough and tender love that I was describing. Jesus was tender-hearted towards his church and also thick-skinned as he dealt with her. And he still is. Now, in this order of redemption, a Christian husband is called to imitate Jesus Christ. He's called to a truer and better and higher standard in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not simply called to imitate Adam in the according to the order of creation. We are called to imitate Christ according to the order of redemption. A couple of weeks ago, I was counseling with some friends of mine, and in the conversation, the wife threw up her hands. I kid you not. She threw up her hands, pushed back away from the table, and this is what she said. She says, well, we women got the hard part. We got to submit. But you men got the easy part, because all you have to do is love us. And we all threw our heads back and laughed. Because she looked so funny in her expression, but what she said sounded so true. We all thought about it for a second. Is submitting harder than loving? And so we got to tease that out a little bit. And here's what I concluded. I even said to them, I understand what you mean, and it's very funny the way you put it, but we need to think about the realities here. Is it really easier to love than to submit. And my pushback would be, well, it depends on the kind of love you're talking about. The kind of love that's mentioned here, husbands love your wives, is not just any kind of romantic and gushy, soft kind of love. It's a kind of love that takes on flesh. It's the kind of love that sweats. It's the kind of love that feels pain. It's the kind of love that endures hardship. It's the kind of, uh, the kind of love that, that puts up with a lot of mess, a lot of trouble. It's the kind of love that goes all the way to the mat. Beyond that, it goes all the way to the cross. Husbands are called to love their wives the way Christ loved the church. And the scriptures make it clear that the love with which husbands must love their wives is a Christ-shaped love, a cross-shaped love. It's a kind of love that is service-oriented. 
It's sacrifice-making. It's sober-minded. It's sexually pure. It is self-denying. It's that kind of love. The kind of love you see in Jesus. So if you know anything about the way Christ loves the church, then you ought to know that there ain't anything easy about loving your wife the way Christ loved the church. And it's not that it's hard because of the wife. It's that it's hard because it's cross-bearing. There's nothing easy about struggling and sweating and enduring hardships and fighting against a cursed world just to scratch out a living and provide for your wife and kids. That is hard, cross-bearing work. There's nothing easy about doing that, especially when you know that you are dust and to dust you will return. There's nothing easy about taking up your cross and following Jesus into death and along the way laying down your life for the sake of your wife and children. Nothing easy about that. In order to love your wife like that, you must submit yourself first to the Lord in obedience of faith moment by moment, day after day. I mentioned this to you last week that God calls everyone and everything to submit at one time or another. In order for a husband to love his wife and to not be harsh with her means that first and foremost, he must submit himself to Christ. As Christ submitted to the Father and said, not my will, but your will be done. So husbands must submit to Christ. And to submit means they must stand down and show preference and give in and back down and yield in order to obey the call to love their wives with gentleness. Before a husband can ever love his wife the way Christ loved the church, he must first say to God, not my will, but your will be done. So how can husbands gently love their wives? That's the million dollar question, isn't it? We're looking for some practical tip here. Well, to be clear, loving your wife with gentleness is hard work. It's costly work. And we all need more grace to do it. Now, why is it hard work? I mentioned a few minutes ago that it's hard not because of anything in the wife necessarily. Again, we're not into the blame game. It's hard because it's cross-bearing. But the practical realities of life and knowing what we know about human relationships, we can say with confidence that sometimes it's hard because of what's in the man. Sometimes it's hard because of what's in the woman. And sometimes it's hard because of the combination of the two. And so you see the layers of difficulty showing up here. The book of Proverbs says these kinds of things about us. That sometimes loving your wife is hard because a wife makes it hard. The book of Proverbs says things like this. That some wives are a delight and some are a drag. Some are a defense, some are a danger. Some are dignified, some are ditzy. 
That's the book of Proverbs in summary form describing relationships of men and women. And there are plenty of men who would seize on that and and go to their wife and say, I wonder which kind of woman you are, according to Proverbs. Well, guys, before you do that, know that the same kinds of things can be said of husbands. There are husbands who are a delight. And there are husbands who are quite a drag. Some husbands are a defense and some are a danger. Some are dignified, but some not so much. What determines the way a husband and wife develops is the wisdom by which they live. In Proverbs, the women who are described in this negative light are women who live by folly. Men who are described in this negative light are men who live by folly. But men and women, husbands and wives, who are described in the more positive light are those who live by the wisdom that comes from God. And that's what we're trying to encourage you to do is live by the wisdom that comes from God. Sometimes loving your wife with gentleness is hard because you make it hard, not because she makes it hard. And sometimes she makes it hard. We all get that. It's because human relationships are difficult and we're all difficult to deal with from time to time. But knowing that we're all difficult to deal with from time to time should not give any of us an excuse to quit trying. It should not give any of us a reason to not pursue our higher calling. We shouldn't neglect the things to which God has commanded us to do. In other words, we should cry out for more grace. We should submit ourselves to God and pursue His will. Now, I imagine that as your wives might have been doing at this point last week, now some of you husbands are feeling stress and thinking about all of the yeah buts and the what ifs at this point. You might be wondering, how in the world can you ever love your wife? How can you love a woman who does X, Y, and Z? Or who doesn't do A, B, and C? How in the world can you love her? Maybe it feels like mission impossible to you in some ways. Well, as always, we want to point you to the good news of Jesus Christ and show you that while it might be difficult and challenging at times, it's not always like that. Maybe it only feels that way. And the good news is that with God, all things are possible for nothing is impossible with the Lord. So husbands, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember that while you're facing challenges in your own heart and trying to work out ways that you can love your wife with gentleness and delight in her, remember that you don't need to worry about all of the wives in the world. You don't need to worry about all of the women in the world. You need to worry about one, and that is your wife, the wife that God built for you, the wife that God gave you. That's the wife you need to be concerned about. How are you going to love that one wife for better or for worse, for richer or poorer, for whatever happens until death do you part? How in the world can you do that? Well, if you're serious about pursuing these things, the most practical thing you can do is to get up in the morning and get dressed every day in Christ. Husbands, you must put off the fig leaves of your culture and put on the faithful love of Jesus Christ.
And again, you do it one layer at a time, day after day. Before you roll out of bed, start getting dressed. Before you roll out of bed in the morning, make sure you put on a compassionate, merciful heart towards your wife. Make sure you put on kindness and a general friendliness so that you're a delight to be around. And that will make her a delight to be around. Make sure that you get dressed with humility. You don't know everything. You don't have all the answers. You don't understand how everything in the household needs to work or how all the money needs to be spent. She might have some ideas as well. She might know some things that you don't. So be humble. Low-minded. A low-minded attitude goes a long way. And husbands, put on meekness. Bring your thoughts and your feelings, bring your passions, bring your will under the cross, under control of Jesus Christ. You don't have to always flex your muscle or show who's in charge or in control. We all know who wears the pants in the family. And as a man told me when I got married, make sure that your wife knows that you wear the pants in the family and then go get a nice apron to wear so you can protect the pants that you're wearing in your family. Because you need to love and serve your wife. Patience. Don't be so hasty or in such a hurry. You got to slow down. As Nacho Libre says, mucho take it easy. Right? Now these are things that I wish I had known years ago. I moved too fast and it's not a good thing. So slow down. Take it easy. Tolerance. You got to learn to put up with each other. Let some things slide. Let stuff roll off your back. Pick your battles very carefully. There are very few things in life that are actually worth fighting over, arguing about, discussing in front of the kids or even behind closed doors. Very few things. Tolerance. How about forgiveness? Show grace to one another. Show grace to one another. Don't be more forgiving with your friends and comrades than you are with your own wife and children. Show grace. Let the peace of Christ rule your heart. How do you do that? You need to make time to pray. You need to avoid all forms of physical and emotional emotional violence. You don't want to do any harm or abuse to people in abstract or concrete ways. Let the Word of Christ take up permanent residence in your life. So make every effort to feed your soul, mind, and heart on God's Word. You've got to commute. Listen to a good podcast. Listen to God's Word read to you from an MP3 or somewhere else. Listen to good preaching and teaching. Feed your mind on God's Word. Make good use of that time when you're traveling to and from your your job. Here's one for you. Practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. Thank God. Thank God for your wife. Thank God for your kids. Thank wife for all they do. And thank God for them early and often. A little appreciation goes a very long way. And a lot of appreciation goes all the way, doesn't it? Now, I want to tell you that I have not always done these things. I still struggle to do them. And I made the terrible mistake years ago of saying to my wife, who was in real need of encouragement, I'm just not a cheerleader. What a stupid thing to do. What a foolish thing to say. 
So learn from my mistakes as you're learning from Adam's mistakes of what not to do. But as we try to put on Christ and as we try to imitate Him, we will find the grace to do so. If we do these things day after day, we're going to soon discover that loving our wives with gentleness and grace will come more and more easily to us. It will be more enjoyable for us. And we we will see it not simply as a duty, but as a delight in the Lord. And so God helping us, husbands, we will find some way in life to fulfill this very challenging command to us. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Well, let us fall down before the majesty of Christ and let us seek His grace to help us in our time of need. O gracious Father, You have adopted us into Your family in love and You have made us Your sons and daughters. In wisdom, you have given us household rules that we may know how to live and move and act in your family. O loving Christ, our Lord, you have blazed the trail for us and shown us the way to carry your cross and to love our wives with gentleness. O Holy Spirit, you have come to dwell in us and to conform us to the image of Christ and seal us for the day of redemption. Bear your fruit in us that we may have the love we need to love our wives according to your love and not our own lusts. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. O God, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Grant us the grace to obey your word from the heart. For the glory of God, for the good of our wives and our children, we pray. Amen.